be good at this by now. <laughs> Fact of the matter is, I am not. <laughs> it's all right. It's a work in progress. Yes. You don't have to achieve perfection until the moment <laughs> you die. It's right? a five-year process where I will eventually be good at podcasting. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. <clears throat> Unique <clears throat> New York. Red leather, yellow leather. The lion eats velvet. <laughs> I've never heard that I, I one before. I, it hasn't existed until <laughs> The recently. arsonist had sticky feet. <laughs> the arsonist had <laughs> sticky feet. <laughs> All right, here we go. Hello and welcome to a most excellent 80s movie podcast on the Most Excellent Podcast Network. It's the podcast where a filmmaker and a comedian rediscover the movies of the 80s with as much fascination and horror as a little boy discovering a short, ugly alien. I am comedian Chrissy Lenz, director of National Comedy Theater. Uh, And I'm uh, the filmmaker, Nathan Blackwell of Squishy Studios. Yes. And today we are watching E.T. from 1982. So, do we want it? This is our, you know, third episode. We, I don't feel like we've had a lot of success with our on this day in 1980-something. <laughs> no. It's like, it's all super boring and we right. can't, yeah, I, no, I 100% anything. agree. Yeah, so this came, this E.T. came out June 11th, 1982. Maybe it was kind of like what was going on, like it could accompany the, the month. Yeah. All right, so I have here a link to onthisday.com, and, but it's sort of all of the events of June 1982, So, um, and it's still like... Super okay. lame sore. So the 55th National Spelling Bee winner was Molly Devaney, and she Pass. won by spelling psoriasis. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Wrath of Khan was released in early June. Oh, I remember seeing that in the theater. And yeah, so it's still like... Eh, mm-hmm. Not super. Easy. Mar- Martina Nevertalova uh, beat Andrea Jaeger to win the French Open, so we all care about that. It's like blah. So, did you watch the original the- theatrical version or the brand new digital? It must have been, and I was thinking this too as I as I watched it. I watched it on Netflix. Okay. So it ah. was. Um, they had guns. Okay, good. It wasn't the walkie-talkies. No, okay. they had guns, and and there was a line even with her mom goes, no guns, they're children. <laughs> they just ignore her. Okay, good. All right, here comes the so good. trailer. We saw the same one then. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> In 1975, he directed Jaws. In 1978, he directed Close Encounters of the Third Kind. In 1981... He directed Raiders of the Lost Ark. And now, Steven Spielberg brings us E.T., the Extraterrestrial. We will witness the arrival, the search, the desertion, the fear. Discovery, the friendship. I'm keeping him. The secret, the love, the warning, the signal, the mystery, 
a danger. The intrusion. The wonderment. The enchantment. The hope. The connection has been made. Universal Pictures presents Steven Spielberg's E.T. The Extraterrestrial. E.T. The Extraterrestrial. So, do you have a little summary for us, just in case anyone hasn't ever seen E.T., the extraterrestrial? Gee, um, I can't imagine. I- I'm sure they're out there. Um, let's see. Oh, they exist. <laughs> <laughs> I, was just, I was trying to come up with a, a, a summary that sounded like Pokemon. It's oh, like nice. A boy and his friend who he's captured will be friends forever. Unless um, that thing he's captured can get home any way possible. Right. <laughs> um, an alien stranded on Earth mm-hmm. finds a little boy as a friend who's willing to help him go home. Pepsi presents <laughs> E.T., the extraterrestrial. So what was your like experience with this movie so this is um 82 was about the time that i started to remember things in my life nice that's good <laughs> so yeah i remember this the that summer or th- that year and then especially christmas when it was just et um everything yeah et mania um and then my mom was even telling me i, I told her that i was watching et for the, the this this podcasting i was like i had to drive so many stores all throughout town to find you that stuffed ET you wanted. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and so this was kind of I. So basically, I was the age of Drew Barrymore mm-hmm. um, in this movie when I saw it. Um, so I still, I still kind of remember the the mania of ET that year. When did it come out? Was it June? June eleventh. June eleventh. Yeah. Okay, so early yeah. June. Yeah, and 82. and that frenzy stayed all the way to Christmas. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. Yeah, I'm, I'm certain that if Rocket saw this in the theater, my son, who's uh, seven, he would be obsessed. Yeah, he'd be flipping out. Yeah. And th- it, it's, it's... But I think he'd want a flying bike more than he'd want <laughs> creepy yeah. stuffed alien. I, yeah, I wanted a stuffed a, a stuffed E.T. that I could hug all the time. Aww. Aww. That's horrifying to me. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't as uh, slimy. Yeah. <laughs> Plush E.T. with real slime. Oh, God. So Turns you... white if you don't hug it often enough. <laughs> so you have... So I, I I adored E.T. when I was a small child. You had a different... You have a different point of view. I do. I definitely saw this when I was a little kid. Had to have been on VHS. Uh, this was... One of those things is that... So um, to kind of put it in history... This when this came out on VHS, this kind of broke the model. This movie was kind of the one that broke the model of like all VHSs were like a hundred dollars. Oh damn! And then suddenly there was a twenty dollar VHS that you can buy, and this kind of turned VHSs and things like that to the the. It kind of broke VH, VHS home ownership out into 
oh my the God. popular mainstream because no one the the studios didn't uh-huh. want to really sell these things, you know, and, and really the only one who people who bought these were were super crazy diehard people, yeah. you know, the first first in. Or you know rental, mm-hmm. v- you know video rental places because you could rent the VCR too. Yeah, but even if you owned a VCR, mm-hmm. it was cost prohibitive to buy the movies. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I remember the early days of DVDs when uh, in two thousand I think either ninety nine or two thousand like we bought our first uh as as grown-ups our first dvd <laughs> player and it, i think it was like three hundred dollars oh yeah ridiculous like that yeah. um that was cool i didn't know that i that et was I, yeah I'm it was gonna sure happen eventually it. but it was like et and top gun and those movies that kind of were the ones who that were so big that they were able to really kind of change the paradigm and change the pay structure and so everyone was buying et that's cool well, my family must have bought it because we watched it and I found it terrifying. <laughs> so scary. There are so many things I hate about this movie. And I understand objectively that it is a good movie. I was crying. I finished watching it <laughs> 10 minutes ago and I was crying. Uh, but I hate, there's so much I hate about it. I, <laughs> I made a list of things that I hate. I, I hate I hate the sound E.T. makes. I hate his creepy fingers. I hate his pulsating head. I hate his gross breathing. I hate his gross grunting and screaming. The whole first hour of this is him grunting and screaming. I hate the telescoping neck. I hate it when he's wrapped in a blanket. I hate it when he's dressed in drag. I hate it when he finally figures out how he can say, Elliot. That sound terrifies me. It sounds like the grudge, right? He sounds like it's one step away from Elliot to just the uh, the grudge sound, right? Does anyone remember the grudge? No? Um, I, I hate it when he's all, they find him in the ditch and he's white and rotten and there's like a raccoon sniffing at him. I, I hate it when they're giving him CPR and you have to watch his chest like squishing down. I hate E.T. He's terrifying <laughs> and gross. And here's a beef I have. What evolution on whatever planet they come from would make a creature shaped that way? It doesn't make sense to me. And I often have this beef with Guillermo del Toro Mm -hmm. because he creates creatures that I'm just like, what evolution produced this creature, Guillermo? Why would it be so bottom heavy? (laughs) Please respond to my text messages. (laughs) Please, finally, answer me. Because uh, when he's like at the very end, when he's going up the little gangplank, and whenever he's trying to run away, he's like not built for. He's built like a little short fat. Like his legs are just tucked under him. Like on his planet, does he not have to walk? There's a lot of escalators on it their planet. Must be, or they just. I'm well. We see them in the Galactic Council, right? In uh, <laughs> in, in uh, episode fan- one. Yeah, Phantom Menace. So, yeah, so that's my experience with E.T. I have not, I never went back and watched it again after <laughs> I saw it as a kid. I was I was just like, no, thank you. Not for me. But I was, particularly as a kid, a super big Steven Spielberg fan. I At that time in my life, I wanted to be a movie director. And my dad had a really cool, like, gigantic movie uh, what do you call those? movie cameras what do you call them nathan camcorder <laughs> yes there you go thank you um and i did several 
uh, biography reports, the kind you have to do in like fourth grade where you dress up as the person and you're like, I am Martha Washington. And I was like, I made a paper beard and taped it to my face and wore like a jean jacket and my dad's big glasses. And I was like in a baseball hat. And I was like, I am Steven Spielberg. I make movies. This is my movie camera device. And yeah, so I was a little bit obsessed with Steven Spielberg. Uh, and I, and I like objectively can watch this movie and say, yeah, he's a really good, he's good at making movies. He's got it figured out because <laughs> it looks really cool. You know, all of the directing choices I think are, are really neat. It's just some of the other choices that I'm like, why, why do you make it so gross? <laughs> why you make it so gross? <laughs> why you make it so gross? Cause like, I think. So it's been about 30 years since yeah. you've seen this movie. Oh Yeah. Definitely, and so so it's so it hasn't improved with time for you. I think the meaning experience. of it hasn't is me more relevant to me now. Like the fact that Elliot loves, you know, at the end where he says "I love you," and then the heart starts glowing. Okay, you got me. <laughs> um, so had you had you like. When you saw this as a child, mm-hmm. it scared you. So it this, scared me. This was a story about a monster that haunted a house and killed a kid <laughs> and almost killed a little boy. Yes, until oh, they finally banded together to get rid of it. To get rid of him, <laughs> just get rid. Of, yeah, it's a horror movie for sure. So scary. And as I watched it this time, it was less scary and more like gross. Um, but like it's also really sad. Oh, yeah, like, for sure. The mom is so well, the, sad. So, yeah, the movie is really about, like, divorce and, mm-hmm. like, the things that the young boy is going through and the mom is going through. You know, it was really kind of about, like, Spielberg's, you know, isolation and div- and the feelings of divorce in, in Arizona, no less, mm-hmm. of... Um, of you know, and then wanting kind of a magical little friend from mm-hmm. somewhere, and and this is kind of like the fan- to get the fantasy drunk with. Well, yeah. Question mark. <laughs> really, Coors. I guess if that's your only option. Ugh. Yeah, I don't see the mom drinking that either. Like, why did she have it? Maybe it was the dad's drink, and it's still in the fridge, and that's and that's sad too. Right. Because she's definitely drinks like spritzers, or at that time she drank Bartles and James. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I get that it's about divorce and stuff, but she's so checked out. The mom. I was really fascinated by the mom character because she's Uh so checked out that like Gertie is trying to show her an alien creature (laughs) that has been living in her house (laughs) for an indeterminate amount of time, and she just can't be bothered. To, like, turn her head slightly. And then, like, she's got this crazy... Her Halloween costume is this, like, sexy leopard dress with enormous shoulder pads. It was the 80s. And she just sits in her home. Like, I guess, is that how... Did moms do that? They dressed up and sat at the house? Yeah. Yeah, that's what my mom did. Mm -hmm. That seems like it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I felt really bad for the mom. She did, like, she sat down at one point and, like, read the Tinkerbell book to Gertie. Mm-hmm. But I think that was only so we could make the Tinkerbell connection to, like, love bringing E.T. back to life. Or was he just faking? Was he was he possum play, poss- yeah, playing possum? That, you know, that's, that's, you know, some people 
dislike that part mm-hmm. because they feel like it's a bit manipulative, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, it, but it also, like on the, on the upside, it kind of makes the movie super super sad. It does, and then it kind of gives you that roller coaster of like going all the way down and then ripping all the way back up. Like the ending wouldn't have been so emotional hadn't it gotten that sad, that serious. You know? But yeah, it's tough because it, it's. It's it's really kind of a suspension of disbelief. Like, you know, it's like, so, okay, so E.T. is separating from Elliot, mm-hmm. you know. Is it is he going into, like, a self-induced coma? Is it just that he's getting sick and the, the two are separating? Mm-hmm. Is it the proximity of his friends, his cohorts, that is bringing him back? Mm-hmm. You know, Um or, and or then they like, use the flower to kind of indicate that he's back. Or it felt like to me what's going on, almost yeah. like he was sacrificing himself so that Elliot could live. Like if he realized that their connection was what was killing Elliot, he right. might have. But I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one who thinks that. No, no. I think, yeah, I think um, I think that's that's probably what I believe. Yeah. It did. I did find it weird. Also, I'm afraid of aliens in general, just as a... A thing to be afraid of. Uh-huh. I am super afraid of aliens in all of their forms, but like the smaller, the scarier to me. <laughs> like the aliens in like Independence Day that are huge. So the larger, yeah, the larger. You can see ones. them coming. Yeah, they're fine. Like the ones in Signs, where you're like, oh, it's just an ugly person. I, okay, right. I can fight with that. The little creepy ones, I don't like. And maybe this is what started it all. They're hard um, to shoot. Yeah. Trying to hug you and their necks grow. <laughs> Ugh, I hate it. Uh, the people who are there to take over this alien are really sort of chillaxed about it. Like they don't, they don't even ask the family to like m- go to a motel. They just let them walk around and do whatever they want. Hey, basically, Elliot. yeah. He walks into the van where they've got the coffin, uh-huh. and he, they're just like, "Oh, hey." So what? One of the things don't I don't touch found, anything, right? I I hadn't seen the movie in in a, in a number of years, maybe about six seven years. Um, and one of the things I was really aware of is that uh, the it was the the style. It's like Spielberg has a very playful and cinematic style, mm-hmm. and for a movie that is as magical as this one, mm-hmm. uh, it's so realistic in terms of tone. He's dialed that. Way, way down. Mm-hmm. Because usually, like, you know, like, if you see, like, Raiders Lost Ark and things like that, like, there's cute little gags and little winks and, and playful camera moves. And that's just feels like it's all stripped out except for just, like, a couple of moments to where, mm-hmm. like, the frogs are escaping and he's standing yeah. on the large kid and they, they kiss, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, cut, you know, juxtaposed to, like, the quiet man on with John Wayne, you know, it's like... <laughs> yeah. And there's a couple of little moments like that, like you know the Halloween scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, it's played super, super stripped down and straight and like realistic, mm-hmm. and almost like people are talking over each other, like a Robert Altman movie. Mm-hmm. And it's it's done super, super realistic in a lot of ways. You know, um, I I remember reading about how. You know, he would he would design and storyboard almost all of his movies, and for this, he didn't. He just wanted to kind of, like, find where he felt the scene was and just kind of feel it and go through instinct. Hmm. Um, this, this I was... think that's interesting because so many of the shots are, like, like you get all those 
shots of like the faceless men in silhouette mm-hmm. and you know at one point you see all of the roads sort of crisscrossing in a way that seems like somebody spent a long time figuring out where to put the camera to get that exact yeah shot yeah i um i think he's really good at this he's good. <laughs> he's got to figure it figured out i think i think he's got a career ahead of him <laughs> right. after this um yeah so it's you know what's super interesting is how much of the movie was from the kid's point of view, like mm-hmm. until E.T. was dying. And suddenly, like, when all these other adults showed up, like, I can't, I'm I'm genuinely struggling other than the TV of do we see any adult's face other than the mom for like an hour? No, no, you really don't. They, they are just the faceless sort of minions. Yeah, and even when we see... Uh, any of the, like, I guess they're government men, like the G-men coming after them. No, they're all either in silhouette or the camera doesn't pan up far enough to see mm-hmm. their faces. It's like it's the like, parents from Peanuts. Yeah. Because the science teacher, too, yeah. is like you just see him walking around monotonely telling the kids how they're going to chloroform these live frogs. What? What <laughs> was that? They were alive frogs, and they're like, "Put the chloroform in the let's all murder." Was that time. okay in the eighties? I, I, I found that shocking. That was I. I I feel like that has. I, I think that was a thing, like in biology mm. class. I don't know if it was ever for. Kids I dissected that young. a frog. I you know, and I think it was seventh grade. I definitely dissected Jesus. a frog and a fetal pig and like a squid for some wow. reason, but they were like shipped to us dead right and and i think we were allowed to like believe they died of natural causes after a long happy life because <laughs> you're not like dying you're not like looking for a cause they of death. all died at a at the end of a great party kids <laughs> <laughs> not like let's murder this creature first make friends with it then we're gonna cut it open and he's even saying like if you don't want to watch them die you don't have to watch them die or chloroform wouldn't kill would chloroform Kill a maybe too much. Listen, the chlor- otherwise they're the, going to be the chloroform alive. podcast is uh, <laughs> <laughs> is Thursdays. Oh, I thought that was crazy. I I totally got us off subject. We're, oh, but you don't see his face. Yeah, the adults yeah. are all like it, everything it is, is strictly, shot from, like, strictly from the point kids' of view. point of view. Yeah, yeah the, strictly from the kids' point of view. Until suddenly they start appearing, and even then, it's kind of like in these faceless yeah. people, and well, then they, they take off their masks they and come suddenly, in. And they don't take off their masks until after E.T. is dead. Yeah. You nailed that 100%. They come in in NASA space exploration suits, right. yeah. which I'm pretty sure the NASA guys don't let you walk around with those on on dry land or whatever. And they all just come in in the scariest way possible. Yeah, uh-huh. still faceless until until he's dead and they all make a big show of revealing their faces. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. I didn't think about yeah, it. Yeah, so I... I, I, I what I notice is that as soon as all these adults are kind of swarming in, most of their faces, except for Keys, mm-hmm. you know, Peter Coyote, mm-hmm. you can't see their faces, you know? And it's not until E.T. is dead that they all kind of pull off their masks and it kind of humanizes them. And you see that they're not scary people, that they're like adults of different genders and, and backgrounds. And they're also upset that E.T. is dead as well, you know? I thought that, that the characters like surprisingly understanding and nice when he was like, Do you can we give can we give him a minute? Mm-hmm. I just 
I wouldn't think of that ever happening in like a modern government takeover. You have something we want. Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure they would just kill the whole family. Yeah. Well, I, I think one of the things that, that Spielberg wanted to do with this is he wanted to make some, he wanted to have kind of an unknown villain. And then when you realize they're people that you realize there are no villains, you know, that- they're just trying to figure out what the hell this ugly little thing is. <laughs> what is this hideous monster that has coupled its life force to this young boy? Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Um, there are a lot of like little things that I wrote down that I really liked about the movie. Yeah, what are your, some of your favorite parts? Um, begrudgingly enjoyed. Begrudgingly. Uh, there's a part where uh gertie's like i don't like his feet and i'm like you you tell it girl you tell him he's gross uh there's a part where they're at the bus stop which by the way why were there so many kids at that bus stop there was like 40 kids waiting to get on this bus like there's one stop they stop one place and then they go to school that's it 80s man i guess (laughs) they had no rules it was lawless um uh but they're fighting with each other and i forget what the older boy is calling Elliot, but he keeps saying, zero charisma, zero <laughs> charisma. And I think we should bring that back. I think we should start shouting that at people. Was that a Dungeons um, and Dragons reference? It was. Think? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because the, the first scene is of the kids is them playing Dungeons and Dragons, just like Stranger. This whole movie is just like Stranger Things, Stranger Things, Stranger Things. I can't believe they ripped off Stranger Things. <laughs> So I that's a good question. So you're you're arguably more familiar with Stranger Things than you are E.T. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. You know, so what do you think of the parallels? I saw them so clearly, like, watching Stranger Things, the ones that I noticed were, were ob- the more obvious things that I've seen a lot of. But there was so much E.T. in Stranger Things. Like, shot for shot, a lot of, and the themes, a lot of them the same, the people in masks, the government facility, and... You know, the special little friend who can do magic and make vans fly through the air and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I thought it was really clear to see the parallels. And it was interesting seeing it backwards. Like, oh, I've seen Stranger Things a bunch. Now I'm going to watch E.T. for the first time in a long time and be like, oh, there I see it. I mean, you could tell that they're influenced by Spielberg, but I saw more like Indiana Jonesy, Goonies mm-hmm. type, type Stand stuff. by me. Stand by me. Totally. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I liked, what else did I like? So something that really is, um, to me, just one of my favorite tropes of the 80s is that kids on bikes, like, had the world at their feet. Oh, yeah. If you had a bike, there was literally nothing could stop you. Oh, yeah. It's like like in Stranger Things, it's like, you know, that kid wouldn't leave it there. You know, these things are like a Cadillac to them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, you could just go wherever you wanted. And do whatever you want. That was never the case for me. Your parents do not (laughs) care where you are. Yeah. You can go any place. And I love, there's a part, like, right at the end where he's like, get the bikes. Meet us at the playground. And they're all just like, Yep, and they just get on their bikes and they put on their hats and it's like, let's do this. We never, like, we hardly see those boys at all uh-huh. throughout the entire thing. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, let's go. Why are they going? They're not part of this. At some point they're like, let's split up. But if I'm the government people, I'm like, who? I don't even know those kids. Forget, the, I don't, who are they? Get the one with the alien in his basket. Uh, but I love that. Whenever I see that sort of cliche of 80s movies which i guess was a cliche of 80s life which is like kids on bikes man they do what they want they go where they please they find treasure they 
help aliens escape back to their home worlds. I need to get a bike. Get a bike. And, like, let's live in the 80s again where nobody needs to know where you are. Um. So I, I, so they could have made, like, the, the older brother, um, was it Michael? Mm-hmm. They could have made him just kind of a, a dick, you know? He starts out as kind of a dick. Oh, yeah. But he grows on you. Yeah. He, he find his kindness. He, he had some, uh, there were some great, mo- you know, great moments for him mm-hmm. just to kind of just peppered throughout the story that were just yeah. like these great little humanized, it's like, oh, yeah, he's going through this divorce thing, too. He doesn't get this wonderful alien friend Mm -hmm. you know there was that there was that moment where he's sitting on the bus and everyone is like throwing things and tearing apart and he's just kind of sitting there (sighs) as everyone is just like going nuts Mm -hmm. or or that that moment where you know elliot is with et and he just goes and sits with all the stuffed animals yeah it's just so sad and he just falls asleep oh you're right that part is really sad he also has that moment where Elliot like reveals that the dad is in Mexico with another woman and like upsets the mom and Oh yeah. He's like he says he says something He's like, super defensive for mm-hmm. you know, it's like you know it's like think of someone else other than you know why did you think of your own feelings blah 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 at the same time he's weaseling out of doing the dishes. Yeah. Yeah. And like getting in trouble for ordering a pizza and yeah. having all his friends over. But that was 100% the way it was. I I remember <laughs> being It'd be my I, I I was raised by a single mom pretty much, and then um, uh, I remember that kind of stuff. It's like why are you making mom feel bad? At the same time, I'm like doing nothing to help her out. <laughs> <laughs> you understand the emotional component of wanting to support mom, right. but not the logistical component of wanting to right to help right. mom. Well, what were some of your favorite parts? Um, so yeah, I, I loved those kind of like moments of playfulness where mm-hmm. like where E.T., like the classic moment where E.T. is hiding am- among the stuffed animals, that holding completely scared, still. Th- always scared me so much that I, I was going to like, if, if I ever saw a group of stuffed animals together, that he was in there somewhere. <laughs> right. He's in there somewhere. Um, I, I loved the Halloween sequence where E.T. Yeah. E. is just under the, the sheet and he's just looking at everything. You know, it's like so sincerely, and then when he spots Yoda, like stop making that sound. So so good. (laughs) Um, or that that line where you know it's like um, can't he just beam up to his spaceship? It's like (laughs) this is reality, Greg. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, they just you know they they say this all the time, but you know movies don't let kids be kids anymore you know mm-hmm. like this this did a great this whole this movie did a great job of just kind of letting kids be kids without it going like full bad news bears you know yeah yeah and kind of figuring it out themselves and they don't try to keep it a secret they try and reveal it to mom over and over and over again <laughs> michael tries gertie tries I think elliot tries too and she's just like it's not having it she's in she's in a serious denial about seeing seeing certain things i i i thought too when i watched it this time was like et gets lost because he's mesmerized by the lights of the city like mm-hmm. he's not supposed to be going over there yeah he's a, he's a looky loo so is he also maybe a little kid in his world and he's just like too curious and he's like yeah, or, definitely grounded when he gets back or he's an he's an adult and he's a daydreamer mm-hmm. you know 
But like, why would they take it? So don't take E.T. or like whatever his alien name is, like Steve, I'm guessing. Blargo. Yeah. <laughs> don't take him on the trip. And then like, I can just picturing the all the E.T.'s in there once they're like, do you know how far we had to drive to come pick you up? And why didn't Your they Your father know? will be so upset when yeah. you get home. No TV for two weeks, E.T. You made us all go really out of our way. But they knew where he was. Like, they should have known where he was. I think they generally knew. They were probably hanging out in the solar system. I can't imagine they went too far. Like, sort of, it's like Mars. It's like, was that one where the guy gets left on Mars? Uh, Mars attacks? No, <laughs> he gets <laughs> left mar- on Mars. The Martian? Yeah. And they're like, should we go get him? Eh. 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 Wow. The Martian is E.T. from the human's point of view. Yeah. And he he just doesn't make any friends. <laughs> 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 okay, so uh, I did a little bit of research. I'm not sure. Like, I, I bet people know a lot about ET already. Like, it's not a big mystery. Uh, but I did look up the box office mojo, and I can't figure out if these numbers are adjusted for inflation or mm. not. Like, yeah, that's the problem. Why wouldn't it tell me? Uh, or maybe they just always are. I don't know. So uh, the budget was uh, ten point. Five million, mm-hmm. and it... yeah, he he was he was making kind of they were they were giving him this favor. Basically, well, the you studio. heard the trailer. Yeah, they here's were se- the things that you liked. Yeah, they were selling it completely on Spielberg and not the story itself. You know, like they didn't expect no one expected for it to be like a big box office smash. He he was expecting to make kind of like a personal a small personal film. This is like. There's too many numbers here that I don't understand. So I'm just going to give you the big one that's in bold at the top. Domestic total gross, $359 million. Lifetime domestic gross, $435 million. Not bad. Pretty good. Uh, let's see if I can find out. I'm a little behind because I didn't finish watching the movie until literally five minutes before you walked up. Um, 1982... No, this is 1983, right? A2. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I got confused because it says the number one movie is uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. <laughs> so I got confused. I was like, we just did that one. Right. No, we did Escape from New York. Um. Anyway, so this was the number one movie of 1982. Oh, yeah, by a long shot. And then Tootsie, An Officer and a Gentleman, Rocky Three. And Porky's in the top five. So, real mixed bag there, everyone. So, this is, we looked up uh, all-time box office records adjusted for ticket price inflation. Right. Because movie ticket back then was $3. Yep. You could take your whole family for 20 bucks. Uh, Number one is Gone with the Wind. Number two is Star Wars. I assume A New Hope. It doesn't indicate. Yeah. Uh, number three is The Sound of Music. And number four is E.T. the Extraterrestrial. So uh, adjusted for inflation, what's the number? $1,266,759,200. So $1.2 billion. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, you've got Titanic. Uh, Jaws is seven. Force Awakens is number 11. Empire Strikes Back is 13. Return of the Jedi is 16. Jurassic Park is 17. 820 million. Raiders of the Lost Ark is 21. 
Dang, Steven Spielberg got this on lockdown. Seven hundred ninety million. Close Encounters of the Third Kind is number seventy-five. You know, it's funny in that trailer they listed all of his movies, but they skipped it over his famous bomb, nineteen forty-one. Yep, <laughs> that's not on this list. Um, yeah, and there's like, I mean, I'm sure that there's a million and twelve like fun facts and stuff. I didn't. In my five minutes of research time, have anything? <laughs> you have an, worth such an aversion to this movie. With reporting, I I'll tell you, it took me so long to watch it because I kept having to turn it off. You were repelled. I was. I was. I was just like, nope, no more, no more today. Thank you. You had to take showers. I, <laughs> I had to like make sure I wasn't watching it too late at night because it was just nightmare fuel. <laughs> Did you did you find it great that as soon as ET started drinking, he started dialing on the uh, the speak and spell? <laughs> hey, <laughs> you up? Yeah. <laughs> New speak and spell. Who dis? Um, I love it. Yeah, and I did think like when Elliot is acting drunk in class, like he's doing a really good job, and so I wondered. If, like, if that actor at that time had any, like, experience being drunk, you know, it was the 80s after all. I mean, he could have asked Drew Barrymore, like, what should I do? Um, Or if, like, the adults were like, just look sleepy and happy. (laughs) Sleepy, yeah. Sleepy and happy. Um, And you brought something. Oh, yeah. You brought a show and tell item. So I brought my copy of E.T. the Extraterrestrial, the Atari game. Uh, (laughs) Legendarily known as the worst game ever there's even a documentary called atari game over that you can see on netflix about how it did so poorly and kind of the the atari bubble had burst Mm -hmm. that they were just churning out these terrible kind of money grab games and they they made so many that they they ended up just burying them in a landfill Probably multiple landfills, not just that one. Not just that one. There are eight <laughs> it, landfills. It's best to split split them up <laughs> so no one can find them all. Um. Okay. What did we miss? Anything? We have to do our recommendations, of course. So but. I one yeah one other thing I wanted to talk about that I I really loved about this movie. Yes. Uh, I thought the, you don't have to have the just music. One. You can have as the, many as you want. The the I thought not only the the sound but the music. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- says someone who is currently like in up to design. his elbows in sound design. <laughs> so, but no, I I always I've I I think this is one of John Williams' best scores mm-hmm. that you know that he's ever done, and it it's you know it, the moments where you know the, you experience some of that magic. Um, it is magic. I yeah. mean, it's great. I I almost. I rarely notice music and sound design and stuff, but in this movie, I definitely was like, oh, that's that's great. I love yeah. how they did that. When they f- are soaring over and you hear the bird sounds and stuff, it's really good. Mm-hmm. And, the, of course, the E.T. song. And then the whole ending is, is so much on the music. Like, they even, even after he, he did the music, they recut the, the whole ending to match the music oh wow yeah just because it was it was just so perfect for mm-hmm. the moment you know i love it i didn't know that did i hear somewhere or did i imagine that there was a scene at the end of the kids playing dungeons and dragons again oh like in the original version this might be what you're talking about too is that they they had filmed a scene of like 
life after the fact where the boys are letting Elliot play and they're playing Dungeons and Dragons again, kind of like Stranger Things. Um, or is, should I say that oppositely? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of like E.T. I, don't I hate know. to break it to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is what they copy in Stranger Things. And then they canned it because they felt like they've said everything they need to say. Oh, yeah. And for it should sure. just end on Elliot's face. Yeah. Th- there was even a deleted scene where Harrison Ford was one of the teachers. <laughs> I'm not joking. You're not joking. No. What? His his wife uh, wrote the screenplay to ET, Melissa Matheson. I didn't know that. Yeah. But oh, okay. I wonder what that scene is like. Is it on like one of the myriad DVDs that yeah. have been released? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. A walkie-talkie too. version, right? <laughs> not a gun version, right? Oh, that's crazy. I I did notice all the little Star Wars. Oh yeah. Nods. <laughs> The Yoda just like ambling up the this street. This is Greedo, and he can have a war. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, that that part reminded me of my son too. Just like that's what he would do yeah. if he met an alien creature. Oh yeah, I absolutely had those exact figures. Mm-hmm. That's what I w- would have done. It's like impress him with yeah. my figures. Look what I've got. Uh, but I mean, there's as I hate ET, but there's a lot of things I love about the movie. Yeah, I love the music. I I I cried a lot. Yeah, I did. I, I'm pro ET. I can definitely understand your your wrong opinions. <laughs> I fully but, accept that. I it fully is sympathize unfounded. with your terrible ideas. I don't know. I think but, people uh, I think other people are gonna come forward and be like, No, I also am afraid of E. T. <laughs> I too am afraid of the naked <laughs> alien man. Who's like squashed on the bottom. Uh-huh. It's like yeah. it's like someone made a model of an alien and then someone accidentally squashed it and they were just like, Go with it. Right. Yeah, so that is an interesting question. Like, how would ET do if it was if it was released this year? Mm-hmm. I, I imagine in the the pitch or in development of the movie, it would be brought up that effectively ET is a nude adult whose only friends <laughs> friends are children. Yes. <laughs> oh, he's so like that. Him as a creature, a creature design to me is really of the eighties as well. Like, cause you know, he's obviously a, a really cool practical effect and they were just like, I don't know, let's make it look weird. Um, but then there was also like Mac and me and like other oh, yeah. gross eighties. Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, it was the biggest movie ever. And it's really kind of hard to rip off. Like, you can kind of rip off Star Wars really easily with Mm -hmm. a bunch of people in space outfits and a spaceship. It's tough to rip off an alien without even doubling the weirdness and the goopiness of... And then... Yeah, like, Mac and me... Put some hair on it. I don't know. That's the most overt rip-off. And then there's plenty of movies like Short Circuit, which is kind of a spiritual rip off they're shaped the same yeah though they're shaped the same like really bottom heavy with that gross telescoping head yeah i don't have the same aversion to johnny five but <laughs> robots never never trust a robot no, yeah no i i mean i believe that um so <laughs> what would you recommend so of course like imdb and everything they're always like people who liked this also right. liked blah which by the way for this they recommend honey i shrunk the kids i don't uh-huh. know what algorithm uh, yeah. is coming up with that uh, but what would you recommend that if people uh, like E.T., they would also like blank? And then, or and or reverse it, if somebody likes blank, 
you'd say, oh, my God, you have to watch E.T. So, like, yeah. I would say if somebody likes Stranger Things. Oh, yeah, for sure. You'd be like, well, have you seen E.T.? Oh, my God, you have to go watch it. It's terrifying. It's a horror movie. And it's really, really sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, okay, so if you love E.T. Um, and you love that kind of movie, it's like the, the movie that is kind of about kids and it's about wonder and it's there's no real villains um there's an there's a japanese anime called my neighbor totoro (gasps) totoro yes so by hayao miyazaki um that there's a lot of similarities between the two movies some people even call it like his well americans call it like his et because it's about these girls dealing with family problems um and they kind of encounter this magical forest spirit, and it's it is a, it is a magical and sad, um, but kind of wonderful movie. And there's no villain, you know. It's just kind of about growing up and the circumstances, and and you know, losing your sister in the forest, and and having like a magic twenty foot. You know, foot long cat ball, bus. Yeah, yeah cat bus. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd say my neighbor Totoro. That's a great recommendation, and I love that because then you can really go down the rabbit hole of like yeah. all the Miyazaki movies if you haven't seen them. Oh yeah, that's that's a great that's a great one for kids because um, Miyazaki is honestly one of my favorite filmmakers of all time. Um, that he he all of his it's almost like each of his movies is made for a specific age, and that's like a perfect like eight year old. 10 year old kind of movie mm-hmm. you know um and then there's that kind of that's a good gateway into a lot of his other kind of kid-friendly movies i like that that's good um i would probably recommend big hero six because it's sort of it just reminded me of, of it a lot in the way and if you know adults haven't seen big hero six because it seems like a kid's movie i would say watch it you need to watch it because it's really really good and it's, you know, adventure about a kid who also has sad life circumstances, is lonely and looking for a friend, finds a nice robot, one of the few robots I will permit, uh, <laughs> who let me go, you know, fight Is there Is there an good. extreme vetting process that you go through for your children on, oh. on the positive robots? <laughs> on robots. Robots. Yeah, robots. No, almost, almost no robots are good. But Baymax is a good robot. Um, and Big Hero Six is a great movie, and uh, you get a lot of that that moment of like self sacrifice where something happens, and Baymax and Hero have to separate. Uh, but it's really good; I recommend it. Uh, what would you recommend that's not a movie? Right, our deep cut. Deep so cut my, recommendation. So my deep cut is a movie, but it's a that's probably okay. impossible to find movie. You can find clips though, uh, and that is Turkish ET. Turkish E.T. Oh, yes. my God. I've seen Turkish Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. We actually did a uh, movie mashup of Turkish Star Wars. Oh, that's amazing. Way back in the day when the Royale was a thing. So for some of you who don't know, there was a period where um, in Turkey, uh, they observed no copyright laws at all. Um, I'd say this was in the 80s, 70s, 80s, uh, maybe even longer than that. But they ripped off everything, and it, it blatantly so. And uh, just type in Turkish E.T. and um, it's probably only a two-minute clip, but it is amazing. I'm going to put that on the website at mostexcellentpod.com and I will probably tweet it out 
<laughs> so look for that because I'm going to be sharing that with you if I can find it. I love it. Oh, there's something I forgot to to mention, which was so important. So like when they keep making promises to each other, they say over and over, make the most excellent promise you can make. <laughs> I was like, yes, I love it. Awesome. Um, Gosh, I don't know. I feel like my recommendation is not a good one. I feel like it's an obvious one, but I would recommend the book Ready Player One. I think it's a Steven Spielberg connection, mm-hmm. not necessarily 100% in like a sort of an 80s movie in general recommendation um, and not not necessarily really based hitting, on E.T. With E.T., we're really hitting prime 80s at this point. Yeah. But I'm I have a hard time like being like oh what what's horrible that I can recommend that will scare you forever <laughs> and now for our horrible recommendation <laughs> so I would say if you haven't checked out Ready Player One the book check out Ready Player One the book good talk good talk oh yeah yeah most excellent uh, be sure to join us next time on a most excellent eighties movie podcast when we are watching from nineteen eighty three National Lampoons vacation back to comedy yeah things i like Woo! <laughs> you can find us online at mostexcellentpod.com uh check out the most excellent facebook group uh we are on instagram as well at most excellent pod uh, and you guys know the podcast grill grill drill is what i meant <laughs> You know, like, rate, review, thumbs up, share, tell people about it, subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, help help people find us uh, if you had a good time. Let us know what you thought of E.T. Is he terrifying? Yes. Hashtag E.T. is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, of course, uh, you can find me at NCT Phoenix, uh, which is nctphoenix.com. Uh, and then you can find uh, me, Nathan, um, at squishystudios.com, or you can check out my web series Voyage Trekkers. You definitely should check out web series Voyage Trekkers. It's a uh, sci-fi comedy about the worst starship crew in the galaxy. Uh, as always, at a most excellent 80s movie podcast, we encourage you to be excellent to each other, and I'll, I'll be, be right, right here. here. Subscribe. <laughs>